Hey everyone, happy Palm Sunday. I'm glad you uh, tuned in this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a, a news junkie. And with this COVID-19 going on, I, I find myself scrolling through uh, on different websites looking for the newest article and any new information that they might have. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed, and it, it surprises me on one hand, that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of focus on the, uh, those who have recovered from the disease or for the virus. And um, so it's kind of a surprise. On the other hand, it's not much of a surprise because people, even religious people, seem to be focused on the death toll. And, and I think what's happening is that they're, they're wanting to know what's the percentage potentially of them getting the virus and them potentially dying or someone in their family dying from it. Well, here's the truth. Whether it's this virus or some other thing in our lives, the percentage of you and me eventually dying is 100%. This world is not an eternal. It's not going to last forever in spite of how some people might live their lives. So let me ask you something as we start out this morning. Do you fear death? Do you fear God? Here's the incredible message that Jesus has for us today from Luke 12. And you can turn there in your Bibles or um, pull it up on your phone. Luke chapter 12. Here's the, the incredible message. We don't have to fear God or death. God is infinitely powerful. So if we are going to fear anybody, it should be Him. But He's also intimately personal. So we don't have to fear Him if we trust Him. So let me just give you the context of chapter 12 before we get into it. In Luke chapter 9, we're told that Jesus determined to get to Jerusalem. Now, he was on his way to Jerusalem this time because he was going to complete his mission of dying on the cross for our sins. And so he was making his way there. And when he gets there, uh, which is what we call Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter when he rose from the dead. So today we're celebrating Palm Sunday. But on his way, he does some amazing miracles and some very controversial teaching, so that by the time he arrives in Jerusalem, the people are cheering him and excited for him to see him because they think he's going to lead a revolution and free them from the oppression of Rome. The, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, were not very happy when he showed up. In fact, they were pretty ticked off. And one of the reasons why they were ticked off is what he teaches here in Luke chapter 12 that we're going to look at. So what's happening in Luke 12? But Jesus begins to challenge his disciples that, hey, I'm going to be dying on the cross and eventually rise from the dead and go back to God in heaven. And when that happens, different authorities, religious and governmental authorities, are going to begin to persecute you and seek to put you to death. And so he's challenging them in the face of that, remain faithful. In verses 1 through 3 that we're going to read, he says that when, when persecution comes, don't be like the Pharisees who are hypocrites, which obviously one of the reasons why the Pharisees didn't let, like Jesus is that he called them hypocrites. In other words, what they were, how they were uh, living was not what they were teaching, and what they were teaching was not how they were living. They were hypocrites. They weren't living what they said they believed. And his point was that when uh, they face final death, the disciples, and this is for any of us, 
that we are going to, everything that we've said and done that we think might be hidden even, it's going to be revealed before God. There's nothing hidden when it comes to standing before God, including how they responded to persecution that's going to come their way. And so he's saying to them, don't claim to follow Christ, and then in the face of persecution, or people questioning why you're following Christ, to then deny that you're a follower of Christ. That would be a hypocritical thing to do. But it's no wonder people are fearful of of dying and seeing God one day. Because he says everything we've ever said and done is going to be known. It's going to be revealed. And so this is a real fear for people. So let's see what Jesus has to say about this. In Luke chapter 12, we're going to read first starting in uh, verses 1 through 5. And uh, so listen to what he has to say here. He says, under these circumstances, in other words, the teaching um, that he has done, the miracles that he was doing, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, it, it's, it's so cool. So back in that day, like we talked about last week, life was difficult, and they wanted to know what Jesus had to say about what was going on. Today, Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, today people still want to know, what does Jesus have to say about what we're going through? And that's why we're looking at these passages uh, the last couple of weeks. So he says this, um, so as they, they gathered around, they were stepping on one another. He began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven or the teaching of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you, you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. Everything we've ever said and done is going to be known one day. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So Jesus says, if you're going to fear anyone, fear God. Well, what does it mean to fear? This word is, is kind of a general word, and it kind of runs the spectrum of um, fright, being afraid, to showing reverence and, and awe to somebody. And so usually it's the context that um, gives us the understanding. And in this context, Jesus is using it in the idea of being afraid, being fearful. And if we're going to be frightened of anybody, it should be of God and not other people or other things uh, like a virus, for instance. See, people or diseases, viruses, or any other thing can only deal, can only deal uh, an impact to our physical, temporal bodies. But what Jesus is saying is God He's the one who determines our spiritual, eternal life. We're only going to spend a certain amount of time here on this earth, 80, 90 years at most, and some live a little bit longer, but the point is, it's temporal. It's not eternal. God is the one who determines our eternity, and so therefore, we should fear Him. But I, So I had this question in my mind as I was reading through this and thinking about this and praying about this. Why do the vast majority of people, including religious people, Fear death. 
I mean, when you think about it, if, if, uh, if a person's a true evolutionist, an atheist, they don't believe that there's a God, you wouldn't think that they would fear death because what they would do is just live their life in such a way that they looked out for their, their, themselves, their best, making sure they survived as long as they could, and then left things for their family and descendants for, for them to survive, to be fit. I mean, that's what evolution's all about. But when they died, they would just go back to the ground from which they evolved. And so there shouldn't be any fear of, of dying. When you think of people who are uh, reincarnationists, those who believe in uh, karma, for instance, when you die, you come back in a different form. They shouldn't be fearing death either because as long as they're living lives in a good way um, so that uh, karma allows them when they die that they come back in a, in a different form, a, a better form, uh, they shouldn't fear because eventually they do that enough, they're going to be one with the universe, which is what their ultimate hope is. So they shouldn't fear death. And religious people, they shouldn't fear death either. Because like the others are putting trust in their belief system, religious people are putting trust in the fact that they believe that by doing their religious rituals and duties and good works, that they're going to get God's approval. And when they see him, they should be good to go. And yet, many religious people fear that idea. The only people I've ever seen in my life, in my experience, even those who are on the deathbed, the only people who I've seen have, have not feared death are those who have trusted what God has to say about life and death. Because here's the deal. We should fear God and his infinite power. But we want and need a God who is infinitely powerful. People fear death because within our beings, the place that we don't share with people uh, very often, we know there's a God. In spite of what evolutionists, atheists say, in spite of what reincarnation uh, people believe, um, we know there's a God. In fact, God has placed that in our own hearts when he created us, that there is a God. And we know we're not right with him. No matter what we try, no matter what we do, and he controls our eternity. The, the same infinitely powerful God uh, who must sentence us. This is the difficult part. This is what we'd call maybe the bad news. But this infinitely powerful God must sentence us to an, eternal, an eternity in hell because he's just and he needs to deal with disobedience. But he's also the one who loves us so much that he did the only thing that could be done to free us of our sin and our death sentence in hell. See, God the Son, Jesus, the one who's speaking these words that we're reading, is the only one who could die in eternal death because he's God. And so he dies in eternal death on the cross in hell for you and for me. Then he rose from the dead, defeating sin, defeating eternal death, and gives us the potential of having our sins forgiven by God, a restored relationship with God, a spiritual life here and now through his Holy Spirit, and then one day going to heaven to be with him. That's why Jesus says what he says in verses 6 and 7. 
He goes on and says, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are, are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Jesus says we don't have to fear God because even though he's infinitely powerful, he is also intimately personal. So we don't fear him in the sense of being frightened. Jesus repeats the same idea that we looked at last week in Matthew chapter 6 and talks about the sparrows. We don't consider sparrows to be much of anything. There's so many of them running or flying around and running around on the ground. We, back in the day, you could get five for two cents. We don't think much of them. But God does think about them. He doesn't forget them. He provides for them. And in Genesis, we're told that God created us in his image. He didn't create any other um, animal or being in his image. He created mankind, you and me, in his image. We are his greatest uh, created being. We have incredible value to him. He cares so much for us, he says, that he has the hair on our head numbered. I mean, do you know how many hairs are on your head? Have you taken the time? Do you care that much about yourself that you would count the number of hair on your head? Now I get it. Ha ha, funny, funny. I know you're laughing at home. I don't have a whole lot of hair. I get it. It might be easy for me to count. But the point is this. We don't spend time doing that, but he knows the here, the number of here on our head. In fact, in Psalm 139, it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, and he's knitted us together in our mother's womb. The point Jesus is making is that God knows about even the smallest aspect of you and me, so we don't have to be afraid of him. He cares about us. So if we're going to fear anyone, we should fear God, but we don't have to fear. God is personal. He cares. He loves you and me, and we can trust Him. So, so how do we move then from fear to trust? Well, Jesus answers that in verses 8-12. through 12. So let me go ahead and read those for you. It says this, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man, Jesus, will confess him also, before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, Jesus says a lot in these verses, so what I want to do is I want to break it down for you quickly here this morning. Now, remember, the context here is of the disciples and how they should re respond to future persecution or times when they're going to have to stand up for Christ and for following Christ. And he's saying, don't be a hypocrite. Stand firm. Be who God has made you to be, and that is a follower of Christ. And for us, Maybe today it's for us to confess Christ, to stand for Christ in the face of those who are looking at us going, how can you believe in a God who would allow these things to happen? And so we're not to be fearful, we're not to be worrying as Christians, but we need to be responding to people in the truth of what God has to say in his word. So first off, 
moving from fear to trust, we must confess him. Now, what does confess mean? Well, it simply means this, to acknowledge, to agree with, or pledge allegiance to. And I just love that idea of pledging our allegiance to someone. And so this is an outward expression of what's already happened in our, heart, in our hearts. We've already decided in our hearts to pledge our allegiance to Christ. In fact, back in Luke 6, Jesus said that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so a person who has given Christ their heart, their life, will make that relationship known to others. See, Jesus doesn't have any covert followers. We're out in the open, and he wants us to make sure other people know that. Well, then he uses this phrase of, uh, if we confess him before men, and confess, he'll confess us before angels. What's he talking about there? Here's what he's saying. A person who's given her life to Christ will express that to their audience, to other people, even when challenged. And that confession shows what's true in their heart, which then gives Jesus the opportunity to say yes to his audience, which is the angels. Yes, that's one of my followers. That's a child of God. They've given me their life. But a person who hasn't given their life to Christ won't pledge their allegiance. And that will, sadly, Jesus says, well, if you're not one of mine, you haven't given me your life, I can't pledge my allegiance to you. And then he says, if a person speaks against the Son of Man or blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, and this is a, a huge thing. People have a lot of questions about this, and so I'm going to try to make it uh, as clear and simple as possible. Th to speak against and to blaspheme, it means the same thing. It means to question or slander the character of someone. And so to speak against the Son of Man means, and again, Son of Man is, being, is Jesus. So speaking against the Son of Man, speaking against Jesus, is when Jesus lays out for us, here's what I want you to do. Here's a command that I want you to follow. And we choose to not follow that command. We're saying to Jesus, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm going to do it my way, not your way. And that's sin. So anytime we disobey God, anytime we disobey Christ, that's sin. But he's saying that sin can be forgiven. However, the person who blasphemes or speaks against the Holy Spirit, what's going on there? Well, it's when we question the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, you're a sinner and you need salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. See, in John 16, Jesus told us that one of the, the big things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is that he's the one responsible to convict the world of sin, convict people of their sin and the need for Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And so when we hear the message, what we call the gospel, the good news of salvation through faith in Christ, and then we reject it, we're saying, Holy Spirit, I don't think you're right. I think you're wrong. I don't need what you're telling me that I need, and we reject it. That means we're rejecting salvation. And therefore, that sin can't be forgiven. Ultimately, only God and we know if we've truly placed our faith in Christ. But a person who's truly placed their faith in Christ, who have the, has the Holy Spirit in their lives, when they're faced with difficulty, when they're faced with persecution, with people pushing back against their faith, they will stand for Christ and demonstrate that they're probably saved. Then Jesus closes out with a, with a great promise. He says that if, when you're, for the disciples, when they're brought before these different 
rulers and authorities to be questioned about their following Christ and, and even in some cases being threatened to be put to death. He said, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say and how to say it at just the right time. And, and if you read through the Bible, like the, the book of Acts, for instance, we see this happening time and time again, where the, the disciples are arrested, they're brought before authorities, and they respond just as Christ wants them to respond. And I know for many of you and, um, and for myself, we've had those times where we're talking to people about the Lord and maybe they're pushing back on us, questioning us, and you know, God just seems to give us maybe some verses that we've been uh, reading and studying and, or just how to say something to a person to help them understand who Christ is. And when that happens, that's Jesus' promise being fulfilled in our lives, and it's an awesome thing. So during a time where many people are concerned and fear-filled, what does God want to take a, uh, have us take away from this teaching? But whatever fear you have today or whatever fear you're going to have in the future, the one person you don't have to fear is God if you're willing to confess Jesus Christ. That's Jesus' message here this morning. So let me ask you, have you pledged your allegiance to Christ through placing your faith in Him for the forgiveness of your sins, a restored relationship with God, spiritual life, and confidence of an eternity in heaven with Him. So I just want to talk to those that might be listening, and, and maybe you're not sure where you stand with God. You're not sure if you've placed your faith in Christ, or you know for sure you haven't, but you want to do that. I challenge you this morning, and Jesus is challenging you, and the Holy Spirit is bringing that conviction to your heart, and He's presenting to you and challenging you to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And around here, what we, we say it's as simple as the ABCs. And what we mean by that is this, that the A stands for admit. And it's simply admitting, yes, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. If I were to die in my sin, I would spend eternity in hell. And I need a Savior. And you're just simply admitting that. The B stands for believe. Believe what God says. In the Bible, the word, the word believe really means to entrust yourself or put your full weight of trust on someone. It's, it's what confess means, the idea of allegiance to God. And so we're putting our full weight of trust on Christ because God said Jesus died our eternal death in hell for us. And then he rose again, which we celebrate next week for Easter. He rose again to defeat sin and death, our sin and death. And then we confess that. We agree with God on that. And we just tell him that. We confess it with our mouth. Not that the prayer saves us or the conversation with God saves us. It's what our faith is. But we confess that. We agree with God and tell Him we want to give our allegiance to Christ. So here's what I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to give an opportunity for you to, to have, take that time with God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead in a prayer that you can pray. And again, the prayer doesn't save you. It's your heart to God's heart your faith being placed in Christ. But we do that typically through a prayer. Obviously, if someone gives you a gift, you're going to respond with a thank you, right? And so God's offering you the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness of your sins and a relationship with Him. And so this would just be a prayer that you can um, 
say in order to um, receive that gift. And so let me let me just lead you in a prayer, and you just pray this prayer in the quietness of your your home. There, um, say this prayer, and uh, and again, your heart to God's heart. Just say, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm separated from you. But I also know and I believe I'm entrusting myself to you that Jesus died on the cross for my sin to take away my eternity in hell. I thank you for doing that. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I'm placing my faith in Christ, in Christ alone, for my salvation. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to hear about it. And so obviously, in the situation that we're in, um, it's kind of difficult, but an easy way to do that is if you go to ohiograce.com backslash card, and you can fill out a card on there, your name and phone number and all, and then there's some boxes that you can mark on there. One says, I accepted Christ today as my Lord and Savior, or I have questions. So if you have questions, mark that. There's a section for prayer requests and, and comments. But I would love to hear from you, and I'll get that information um, to me, and so and I'll respond back to you, but I'd love to hear from you. The, the last thing is this, Christians, how are you confessing Christ today to those in your life who are so fear-filled because of the current situation going on? See, it starts with you and me reaching out to those people, making contact with them, letting them know that we care about them, that we're praying for them, checking to see if they have any needs in their life, and not being concerned about what kind of pushback we might get from them, knowing that God's going to give us, through His Holy Spirit, the words to to say in response, or maybe not even say anything in response, but to just demonstrate the love of God to them by meeting their needs and reaching out and caring for them. Let's not waste this opportunity to connect with people who are fear-filled and show them God's love. Well, I want to thank you for for checking in this morning. I hope this passage is encouraging to you, and I would encourage you to spend time in it this week, reading through it and having God teach you through it. Uh, I I want to make sure that you don't forget to tune in to Fremont's campus. Uh, They'll have a a live feed happening this morning at 9 and 10.30 with live music. Uh, So I encourage you to do that and, and a message as well. So make sure you check them out, ohiograce.com, and you can click right on the the main page there, the home page, or on their Facebook page, and then you can do a watch party too and get some other friends of yours involved. So again, great to have you guys. Really appreciate you checking in. God bless you. We love you, and look forward to when we can get together again. We'll see you.